0: Hi, friends, I'm Tim Villegas from the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education, and you are listening to Think Inclusive, our podcast that brings you conversations about inclusive education and what inclusion looks like in the real world. Lori Boll is an inclusive education leader with a personal connection to individuals with disabilities. Her son, Brayden, was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder and an intellectual developmental delay inspiring her to advocate for all children's education. Lori has taught in international schools for over 25 years and holds master's degrees in reading education and special education. She is the executive director of Senya international and supports others on their professional development journeys. Her experience and personal connection help her make a meaningful difference in the lives of educators and learners. For this episode, Lori discusses the importance of inclusion in education and how Senya supports educators in creating inclusive learning environments in international schools. Senya provides resources, conferences, and coursework to educate parents, families, and educators on best practices for inclusion. Senya also offers a membership program for schools and districts, as well as regional and local chapters worldwide. This week, I'd like to highlight one of the sponsors for our narrative podcast series, Inclusion Stories. The Thompson Policy Institute on Disability, or TPI, is a Chapman University Institute that works alongside the disability community to develop and improve equitable, accessible, and nurturing learning and community environments for all through integrated research, policy, and practice. TPI embraces diversity and considers the intersections of disability, race, language, and socioeconomic status. TPI is involved in many research and project-based collaborations and partnerships through various organizations and agencies that share its vision and goals. Learn more at chapman.edu TPI. We've got a great conversation for you today that will help all of us to think inclusive. Make sure you stick around for the mystery question and for free time this week, dad jokes. We'll be back after a quick break.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me.
0: Lori boll welcome to the think inclusive podcast
2: well thanks thanks so much for having me
0: um so i i think our audience would love to know about senya so could you tell us a little bit about your organization
2: Yeah, yeah. So Senya was started in 2002. We are an international nonprofit organization. Um, We started in 2002 with a group of educators in Beijing, China, who felt very alone in their roles as learning support teachers in their schools. Um, And so they met together to network and learn from one another. And they started providing some Conferences and networking opportunities for everyone. Uh, the organization grew, and we're a worldwide, international organization now. And we, our mission is to advocate for and provide resources for individuals with disabilities. Um, and we do that through three pillars, really. That's learn, connect, and support. Uh, would you like me to tell you about? Those pillars. I would love you (laughs) to. So, our learn pillar, uh, we do that through conferences, virtual and in person conferences, coursework. We have what we call Senya Academy, and individuals can take coursework to become a level one certified teacher under Senya. And then, of course, we have podcasts. Um, In Connect, we have membership program for both individuals and schools and school districts, and then we have 38 regional and local chapters worldwide. So people take Senya and they replicate it in their home country or city and hold mini conferences and networking opportunities there. And then finally in our support section, we have a sponsorship arm for uh, organizations that share our mission and would like to provide resources for our members, as well as scholarships and awards. So we give out, so far we've given out about $20,000 worth of awards, and that's in for student advocates, and that's to help them, you know, in whatever program they, they go on to do, whether it's university or something else. And those are uh, individuals with some sort of learning disability who have advocated for others. And then for our teachers, we provide some scholarships to take some coursework or come to our conference for free. So those are our three arms. We're doing quite a bit and we're quite busy over here. <laughs>
0: yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. So yeah. the, it's, an, it's an international nonprofit organization. But it is based in the United States, is that right?
2: It is yes. Um, I'm happen to be from Oregon, so our organization is registered here in Oregon
0: okay and and how is it different because it is an international organization. So you are supporting um, educators in schools around the around the globe and educational systems, across the world are certainly different from each other, (laughs) right? They are. (laughs) So, um, so how, um, how do you differentiate support? I guess, is that how the local chapters have come about?
2: Yeah, pretty much. So we support generally international schools and international schools are for people who head overseas and work for some sort of organization. It might be their embassy, it might be for a motor company or an oil company, really just depends. But you, if you were one of those people, you would need a place to send your child to school. And so our international schools take that, that role on. And it, they can be American schools, they can be international by nature and follow an international curriculum. They can be English schools, uh, you know, from the UK or Australian. So there's all sorts of different kinds of international schools. And then, of course, we do have our local schools in the communities. And so let's say our Africa chapter right now, they support all the international schools in Africa, as well as local organizations who or schools who want to join. And so they'll hold mini conferences or networking events and then provide scholarships for the local schools to be able to attend.
0: And w- would you, um, I should have asked you at the beginning, but could you no explain the, uh, what Senya means, like the acronym?
2: Yeah, the acronym is Special Education Network and Inclusion Association. And from what we're learning through time is that special education is the term analogy is on its way out, so we are hoping to morph into just Senya <laughs> and really focus on that inclusion piece.
0: How does Senya focus on inclusion and supporting inclusion for learners with disabilities across the globe?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, we do it through educating parents, families, and educators, um, and, and teaching them best practice, basically, in supporting an inclusive environment. And so we really focus on that inclusive piece in our conferences and in all of our coursework. Um, we also have the membership program for schools and many schools are at the beginning phases of an inclusion journey really mm-hmm. and so our goal is to support them through it and so as, when they join as a member school they can have Q&A sessions with members of our board they can join a private platform where people can ask questions and get policies from each other and things like that so we want to inc- we want to inc- create excuse me this this network of schools who want to be more inclusive and are working toward it. And we're there to support them through that.
0: And so through the network, the schools can really learn from each other as well, right?
2: Exactly. And these can be schools in Africa, South America, Europe, Asia, wherever.
0: Do you have, or, or in your resources, when we, you're talking about inclusion, do you have a common or a shared Definition or understanding of inclusion that you you want everyone to kind of group around?
2: You know, I don't think we have an official one, but we basically go with the understanding that all means all. And we educate the individuals who walk through our classroom door or our school door, and we are there for them. So. That's pretty much <laughs> what we go by, but it's not official.
0: Right, so. right. But the expectation is that all means all. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Exactly.
0: Um, So you are the executive director, the CEO? I'm, I'm sorry, I can't executive remember. Executive
2: director, yes. Okay, the
0: executive director. Mm-hmm. And I believe you had... Either been on the board or worked in Senya before you became the director. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So Senya was run by volunteers from 2002 when it began up until 2019. Uh, We created our first board in 2011, and that's when I joined. And in 2019 is when we decided as a board that we could no longer do this as a, as volunteers i mean then there were five six of us at the time and we were doing all of the work and it was just overwhelming uh on top of teaching (laughs) full-time so (laughs) so i i took on the job as executive director and since that time we've been able to hire one other full-time employee our deputy Executive director and one part-time events manager.
0: Um, this may be too. I don't know, like a nonprofit question. So I apologize, but what what is your main funding source? Is it donations?
2: No. So our main funding source for now is it. We're self funding. So all of our conferences and our coursework and our membership program sponsorship. That's all. Um. That's where our funding comes from. We would like to get into the grant game soon, mm-hmm. um, but we just haven't gotten to that point yet.
0: Gotcha. Well, let's talk about the conference. Um, okay. You have an annual conference, right? We do, yeah. Um, and it's um uh, virtual, but you also have in-person conferences as well, correct?
2: Yes, that's correct. So in February this year, we had our in-person conference in Johannesburg, South Africa. So that was a fantastic experience. It was our first time in Africa, and it just created an energy there that was really needed, and it was really exciting. Uh, the, next year, our in March, we'll be heading to Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. So we're excited about that one as well.
0: Wow, very cool. Very yeah. Cool.
2: And our virtual conference, we have one every year. We started that, of course, during the pandemic. Uh, It was a big pivot for us. We were supposed to have one in Manila and then another one in Korea. And those, of course, fell through. So we pivoted to virtual. And it's turned out to be a really great experience because more people are able to attend from schools and learn best practice. So It's pretty exciting. This year's conference is called Unifying Voices of Inclusion. And we aim to bring together educators, administrators, professionals, parents, students, and community members. And we'll share strategies and ideas for creating a more inclusive and equitable learning environment. So we have three keynote speakers this year. One is Jason Arday, who is a Cambridge professor and Jason did not speak until he was 11 years old and he didn't learn to read until he was 18. So we'll get to hear a little bit about his story. We'll also get to hear from Emily Liddell, who wrote Demystifying Disability, who's a really cool person. And she was on Sesame Street at one point.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Emily. Yeah. Emily's fantastic. We love Emily.
2: Yeah. Yeah so cool. And then Emily Meadows who will speak about um, sh- she's an expert in in supporting schools international schools with LGBTQ plus rights and things and she's going to be focusing on neurodiversity and LGBTQ plus. Oh, issues. I love that. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm yeah, that's that's fantastic. I'm so glad there's so much intersectionality between Mhm. Different communities, and so that's that's absolutely wonderful. Um, so, uh, this virtual conference is open to everyone. I'm assuming
2: it is, yeah. And you know, because Senya is a nonprofit, that our interest is not in um, making money; it's more spreading our mission. Uh, we offer really good discounts for larger groups. So, for instance, a school district in Canada um, purchased a large group, and that's anyone. 60 plus. So, you know, you can do a whole school district if you want, and ended up spending like $20 per person to come to the conference because they just had to pay one flat fee for it. So, uh, it's not too expensive. And we hold the videos available for six months. So, you can just keep coming back and watching video after video through time.
0: Great. Great. So, so you what know, are some?
2: Because during a regular conference, uh, no, most people or most organizations are able to have that regular conference where you ch- check in during the weekend. And we do mm-hmm. have a conference weekend where we're networking and meeting each other through our conference platform. But because we're all from everywhere in the world, uh, matching up time zones is near near, <laughs> next to impossible.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So. <laughs> This is, is the way true. to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um what are some of the the breakouts uh in the the conference like do you have like a list of topics that are also going to be available for people?
2: Yeah. So, we have four strands and our f- strands are leading and implementing inclusive systems, supporting the identity, diversity and accessibility of all learners. Utilizing effective and practical strategies to support student behavior and academic learning and amplifying the voices of community members. So for that final uh, strand, we will be having panel discussions of parents, students, heads of schools, um, and then just one collaborative team in an international school and how they work together. To hear everyone's voice. Mm -hmm. And I believe you'll be presenting at our conference, Tim. I will. (laughs) I will. (laughs) We're quite excited about that.
0: Yeah. So so am I. And (laughs) we are going to make sure we have um, all the links and the promotional material for everyone. And the conference is in November.
2: Yeah, November 17th through 19th. But again, for six months after.
0: Right. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that this airs before the conference
2: cool. <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, be
0: yeah, because we're recording this and, you know, the, the magic of editing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love to know why inclusion is important to you. You know, you, you work for an organization that mm-hmm. champions inclusion, but, but why is inclusion important to Lori?
2: Yes, well, thanks for asking that. you know back when I first started teaching in Saudi Arabia uh that was our first well our yeah our first overseas post, and I was teaching fourth grade, and I had a student, and she was not achieving at the same level as her peers and um Somebody told me magically that she was two years behind her grade level peers. This is way back in the early nineties. There was no really way of knowing that. <laughs> you know, we didn't use assessment data like we do now. Uh and so they kicked her out of the school. They said, We don't have a place for her at this school. There's there's she just can't be part of it. And that just it broke me. And I just Couldn't understand why that this was okay. Uh, So from that time, I was always interested in supporting more learners. And what I learned to do during that time was not tell anyone (laughs) that at my school (laughs) that a student was not um, meeting grade level expectations. And I just worked and worked to ensure that they were progressing. So fast forward to uh, 1999, my son was born. And a few years after that, we realized that he was not developing as his peers were. And so we ended up traveling back to the U.S. and getting him early intervention. Now, uh, my son, his name is Brayden. He has been diagnosed with autism and intellectual developmental delay. He's nonverbal. And he never, in our history of living overseas, was able to attend school um, at an international school. And, you know, to me, that's just not okay. Uh, You know, schools have this way of saying, well, we want to be preeminent international schools. We want our kids to go to Ivy Leagues, uh, these prestigious universities. But what they don't realize is that they can make that happen and be inclusive as well. And so just made it my goal to ensure that schools are inclusive. Now, I did not start Senya, and I owe Senya to the group of individuals that started it way back when and had that vision. And we still have one of our founders, uh, Tanya Farrell. She's on our board. She's the chairperson. So. Mm Mm-hmm. yeah but that's why it's important to me
0: yeah um well th- no thank you for sharing that and mm-hmm. it, it the your story brings up you know in in the United States we have the law you know we have i d e a mm-hmm. and uh so we have an educational mandate to to educate learners with disabilities including disabil- significant disabilities um but there isn't a law internationally. I mean, there's the UN Charter, mm-hmm. uh, which I know that a lot of countries uh, try to follow. Right. But there's, there doesn't seem to be any protections. So what kinds of – are there any protections internationally?
2: It depends on the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, for instance, in Brazil – there are laws that the international schools must follow, and they do follow them. Uh, For many schools, there are laws, but international schools do not have to follow. And so for like, I know, I can only speak really from the American school point of view. Uh, Many of those function using financial grants from the embassy, and the embassy will provide uh, guidance and best practice, but it's uh, not involved in the day to day policies, and so they can say we want inclusion, but it's not often implemented or followed up on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there aren't protections in general. Um,
0: <laughs> I think this is right. The I, I believe Italy doesn't Italy as an educational system, aren't they more inclusive than not? They
2: are. They don't even call it special needs. They call it, uh, they, it way, they call it special rights. Uh, they have a very, oh, yeah. um, uh, inclusive, just community. Like yeah. Country, yeah. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: yes. yes. Yeah. That's, so, okay. That's, so I think I'm, I'm remembering that right. Um, are you aware of it, if that like spills over into the international schools in Italy or. is, is-
2: I, I don't, I can't answer that question. No, I am not aware.
0: Yeah. So. Okay. Just wondering. Um, yeah. Another thing I was mm-hmm. thinking about when you were telling your story was about the, just like an attitude and mindset mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. Um, that I I, I I'm going to get it wrong, but what you said about how there there is this uh, misconception that well, if we include learners in not only in schools but in the same classrooms as everyone else, learners with disabilities in the same classrooms as typically developing kids, that it's going to somehow bring down the really high achieving students. Right. And, you know, they're not going to be able to go to like what you said, the Ivy league schools or, or, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, like how can we, as you know, proponents and champions for inclusion, how do you frame that when you talk to people who may have that mindset?
2: Yeah, it's tough. It's changing minds and hearts. That's part of what we do. Uh, it. It's that education piece, right? And, and just helping them understand that it's actually beneficial for individuals to experience all members of a community. And, and this is what society is. Um, it's a little side story, once I was giving a presentation to a high school group at one of my previous international schools about autism, and one of the students stood up and said, I have never heard about this before and, and why, you know? She was so upset. She said, this is not fair. I feel like I've missed out on education because I don't have access to individuals like this at my school. And so she just said it, right? Wow. So she, a student. And so I like to share her story. I like to have her share her story to heads of schools, so they can see that you know here is this student on her way to some brilliant university that we've decided is brilliant, um, <laughs> and, and you know she knows she knows that in order to be a, a a citizen of this world we need to be able to interact with everyone. So
0: oh, that's great. I, yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, What do you want educators to know about Senya, but also just as a person who has the pulse of just the international community about inclusion, what should educators know?
2: Uh, Yeah, it's a big question. Well, educators should know about universal design for learning and that when we implement strategies and programs for our highest needs learners, it ends up benefiting all. And so I would hope that they could um, have an opportunity to learn more about that um, and about the structures and interventions that we put in place. I would like um, school's mission statements to reflect uh, the need to be inclusive and and if they do already have that in their mission then they need to live it uh, there's a lot of schools out there that say you know we we want all of our students to become lifelong learners and blah, blah blah well you don't want all of you don't want all students to be lifelong learners you only want those that you know learn in the ways that we've deemed somehow the way that you need to learn right and so I I want all international schools to adopt that theory of all means all. And any student that walks through the door, we owe it to them to educate them. And we owe it to their schoolmates as well to be inclusive.
0: Yeah. Do you have any stories of uh, school, international schools that have maybe? Not been as inclusive and have made a decision to move towards inclusive practices.
2: Yeah, actually, there's a school in Cote d'Ivoire, Abidjan, Ivory Coast, Africa. They, um, you know, they've had some learning support programs in place, mostly working with mild, you know, what what's considered mild needs, and so they have. Come on board and they've had like five people from their school take our coursework. And then once they all got together, they actually approached their their school principal, their elementary school principal, and said, We don't just want to take this because that's not going to make a difference. We want the whole school to take it. So their whole school is going to spend all of next year taking our coursework and be level one certified educators through Senya so they'll all learn you know multi-tiered system of support universal design for learning how to deal with behaviors when when they occur and and they mind sh- the attitude toward a student who is having behaviors so everyone's on the same page and they're be- because of that they're becoming a much more inclusive school and they're looking at their admissions policies and re- rethinking through that And possibly building an intensive needs, well, higher support level program in their schools. So, in their school. So, I'm excited about that.
0: That, that, That's exciting. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So, it sounds like if there is a school that wants to make a change uh, going through the coursework, there's some sort of certification that they can receive, right?
2: That's correct. yeah. right now it's a level one certification program. We also just started a teaching assistant certification program. Um, so I don't know about the US, but in in international schools there's not often an opportunity for teacher assistants to grow professionally. so we've designed a set of um, classes just for them. and then we'll be moving into a level two certification program starting in January of 2024. So
0: awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's great. Keep growing. Keep Thanks. growing and, and then keep spreading the word.
2: One more big news is that in most likely January, we'll be starting our accreditation program for international schools who want to go through a Senya accreditation for inclusion.
0: Oh. So, so more of like coming. a systems level.
2: Yeah, systems level so we can support. The school in their process.
0: Oh, that's fantastic!
2: Yeah, we're awesome. excited about that. Awesome.
0: So, well, is there anything else that you can think of that you'd you'd want um, listeners to walk away from this conversation with?
2: You know, I think just get to know us. Um, hop on our website, and if you need anything, I'm here. So, email me. Uh, I love to meet new. Uh, people who are involved in inclusion and network some more so
0: well fantastic thank you so much for your work in the the international community being a champion for inclusion
2: well thank you tim stay tuned for
0: the mystery question right after this break Here we go. So the mystery question is, what what is one thing people buy that you think is a total waste of money? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, I, they're usually not controversial.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Are you going to go first?
0: <laughs> oh, well, okay. I really have to think about, uh, think about it. What's it? What's one thing people buy that you think is a total waste of money? I don't know. It's going to make me sound so judgy, but like we don't, we don't buy like super fancy clothes. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, like we go to the thrift store usually to buy clothes and stuff. And like, yeah. I'm so like, if you buy, if you buy fancy stuff, it's totally fine. Like I'm not. like Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that, I think that for us, like we, that's one thing we choose not to spend money on. Like we'd rather spend money on like trips and experiences. And like, you know, like for instance, we're going on a, we're going on this road trip. Um, My family and I, I've got, you know, my wife and three kids and we're driving uh, to Vancouver and back from Atlanta. So it's, it's long. It's like two and a half weeks. And you know, that, it's not cheap to to do that, uh, but we'd much rather spend the money on that than mm-hmm. you know buy designer clothes and things like that so
2: well, I'm with you. actually, my mind went to like really expensive makeup and hair products because that's just not who I am um, <clears throat> But when you talked about your your travel, it reminded me that um w- the whole time we were living. Internationally, we never really bought Christmas gifts and we would just spend it on experiences instead. So we always went on really fun trips and just spent our money on that. So I don't think people spending. Money on Christmas gifts is a waste, but. (laughs) Right, I know, I know. For me. We
0: both qualified the question, which is totally fine. There's no rules in the mystery (laughs) question. So (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Lori Bowl, thank you so much for being on the Think Inclusive podcast. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Tim, for having me. I really love being here.
0: That chime means it's free time. And this week, I'm going to go a little bit more on the fun side. As many of you know, I am a dad. And just like other dads, I love a good dad joke. Now, there's an Instagram um, slash threads handle I follow called Dad Says Jokes. And there are some that really made me laugh. And hopefully, they will make you laugh too. Okay, let me pull up my phone here. And I'm going to read them to you. Dad says jokes. Here we go. My wife just told me to put the toilet seat down. I don't know why I was carrying it around in the first place. (laughs) Did you hear what happened to the wooden car? It wouldn't go. I picked up a hitchhiker last night. He asked, how do you know that I'm not a serial killer? I replied, the chances of two serial killers in one car is astronomical. (laughs) I arrived early to the restaurant and the manager said, do you mind waiting a bit? I said, no. Good, he said, take these drinks to table nine. (laughs) Did you know that 10 plus 10 and 11 plus 11 are the same thing? Because 10 plus 10 is 20, and 11 plus 11 is 22. (laughs) Every morning I announce to my family that I'm going jogging, but then I don't. It's a running joke. (laughs) My kids put together a PowerPoint presentation explaining why we should go to the water park. It has several slides. You know what they say about cold spaghetti. Those who forget the pasta are doomed to reheat it. (laughs) I used to run a dating service for chickens, but I was struggling to make hens meat. (laughs) Okay, this is the last one. I decided to play golf with my friend. On the third hole, he said, let's make this interesting. So, we stopped playing golf. (laughs) Okay. That's it for free time this week. For more information about inclusive education or to learn how you can partner with MCIE on school transformation or professional learning opportunities, visit MCIE.org. Thanks again to the Thompson Policy Institute on Disability for being one of our amazing sponsors for Inclusion Stories. We could have not done this project without you. Love Think Inclusive? Here are a few ways to let us know. Rate us on Spotify or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Become a patron like these fine people. Thank you to Aaron P, Jarrett T, Joiner A, Kathy B, Mark C, Gabby M, Kathleen T, and Paula W. We appreciate your continued support of Think Inclusive. Just an FYI, no bonus episode this week for patrons, but we are working on some extra content I think you'll enjoy including a recommended reading list of books on inclusive education. So watch out for that soon. Think Inclusive is written, edited, designed, mixed, and mastered by me, Tim Villegas. Original music by Miles Kredich. Additional music from Melody. Thanks for your time and attention. And remember, inclusion always works. Lori Bull, welcome to the Think Inclusive podcast.
2: So sorry, it was frozen. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. I'll try it again. I missed that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh...
0: From MCIE. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.